0: The Colorado Sports Guys podcast is brought to you by the Denver Chop House on 19th and Wine Coop, right across from Coors Field. Go to Chop House for the, some of the finest dining in this in Denver, as well as some of the best selection of brews in the state of Colorado. They love us, we love them, and we love you. Enjoy the show.
1: In csg studios
2: high above the streets of beautiful denver colorado you're listening to the colorado sports guys they talk about sports and stuff and now your hosts jeff morton ross martin and Nate timmons what's up everybody out there on the interwebs i'm on the uh, injured reserve this week a bit well i'm on the injury report i got some cavities filled, so I'm dealing with half a face over here. <laughs> it's it's, it's I, terrifying. You look great.
3: I didn't know your cheeks could look so puffy.
2: <laughs> yeah. at, well,
0: Nate's got the Ellen Birkin look going with him. So. I do, indeed.
2: <laughs> Typically, we are high above the beautiful streets of Denver, Colorado, but today we are at Jake's Food and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street, and we're here with uh, Mr. Andrew Feinstein who's joining us for this show. What's up, Andy?
3: Hey guys, thanks for having me on. It's fun to do a midday podcast.
2: I think this is the first for us. I know, I'm not
0: used to the sun shining like (laughs) this when we're doing a podcast. It's it's weird.
2: It it is indeed another sweet voice you're hearing is the King of Thornton, Jeff Morton.
0: What's up everyone? Thanks for joining us and... uh uh, it's been, uh, well, a couple of weeks, hasn't it? It's been a couple of weeks since we did our last podcast with Tim Connolly.
2: Yeah, at the Pepsi Army Center. Deep in the bowels of the Pepsi Center. Yeah, so we're back today. We're going to talk a little Denver Broncos playoff football, but the local airwaves, they got that tied up. So we're also going to talk some Denver Nuggets because we have three Denver Stiffs, the originals here, the big stiff, Jeff Morton and myself.
0: That's right. We'll talk some Nuggets J-Page basketball. 78.
2: Yeah. <coughs> Denver's looking a little bit better, but... Uh, before we get into all that stuff, guys, anything new, 2014, how you guys doing?
0: Yeah, what's up, what's up with you, Andy, since you, we and Nate, Nate and I talk all the time. What's up with you?
3: I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I think that I really like the new writers we've brought on board, Denver Stiffs. Mm. We've brought on uh, five yeah. new guys, and their recaps are great, their previews are great, their enthusiasm is awesome, and I think they're going to help take the site to even another level than it's already been, and to me, that's the big positive for Denver Stiffs in 2014 is the new, some new blood. Yeah.
2: We had a Quinn Glassnat recap last night with the title "Denver torches green." Yeah, which so. <laughs> was which was
0: a, I was on the nosy, but a little bit, but it was it was fantastic, and people really loved the title, so <laughs> I, that was great. And it's it's, it's allowed us uh, the freedom to you know really concentrate on our feature stories. And I know uh, Andy has been really killing it the last couple weeks with his, and uh, I had one on on Dan Issel, and, and Nate had a great one on Nuggets. Uh, analytics guru uh, Tommy uh,
2: Tommy Balcetis Balcetis
0: so yeah. it's it's a uh, it's it's really taken the site to a new level and I think that 2014 will be better than 2013 so
2: I also think too that this Nugget season is allowing our two Nuggets historians to look back and compare this team to some of years past
3: That's true i've done a lot of
0: comparisons. <laughs> you guys are
2: liking doing that so far i think I've, i think i've beaten the
3: 2000 2001 comparison to death but i do believe it it, it seems apropos yeah, it does. and uh, let's hope this team does better than that team i oh, got i hope so too yes
2: indeed well one thing that we've been dealing with let's let's get into a little nuggets basketball here. Is they, they're on an eight game losing streak uh fans were starting to we were starting to see comments of fire brian Shaw and People were no. asking, guys, where's firebrianshaw.com even oh, so, no. you know you get some of that stuff going. Always
3: looking to Andy just so the fire's hey, look, fire.com it's not like he's, he's not like a former Laker who tried to be our head coach. I think Michael Cooper was four and eleven. What oh, was he John? Three it and eleven? It was four and eleven. That's we're not in that territory. That's terrible. I mean, Michael Cooper was given the opportunity, he totally flamed out. Oh, George Carl came in and rescued the team. I, I don't think that's parallel here. No. Yeah.
2: Probably not, but one thing we did see during the eight-game skid, it all kind of came to a head, right, with Andre Miller being suspended and then unsuspended for uh, his altercation with Coach Shaw on the sidelines. We also heard that some of that may have boiled over into the locker room, although nobody's quite sure what happened in there behind closed doors. Um, But, you know, they they have Andre Miller, he gets suspended, he goes away. Uh, Me and Jeff both go to practice the next day to try to see, you know, what's going on, and we were supposed to get in there at twelve forty five it ends up being about three o'clock before we end up hearing from anybody because they were doing individual and team meetings
0: yes and it was i got uh, we Nate and I got there both at right around twelve thirty and they didn't open the doors until right little after three and they were doing and the Shaw came out his very it looked very haggard <laughs> at that point, the, the most that I'd ever seen. So they would have been a lot of meetings,
3: and it really was
0: like Festivus.
3: So it, there the was airing the airing of grievances. Yes. It, it, so, it sounds to me like one of those things I hated when I worked in corporate America, which they called them 360-degree reviews, oh, where your boss would review you, but you got to review your boss. Those uh, were nauseating. That's what it sounds like.
2: So, I mean, these guys go into these meetings, and they come out. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Yep. Who did they beat in the second game? The, the Lakers. Lakers. The Lakers. Ah, yeah. The Lakers. are so them. bad. Yeah. They beat the Lakers and they beat the Celtics last night, and they look phenomenal in the last two games. They scored over hey, you know, 120 points in both those contests. Not only
3: are the Nuggets 3-0 and in the post-Andre Miller era, they are 1-0 in the Lester Connor era, That's true. which means Lester Connor can now join the Interim Head Coach Hall of Fame alongside <laughs> Gene Littles, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Brooks, yep. Michael Cooper. <laughs> Who am I missing? Alan Bristow. Alan Bristow. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, who,
0: Danley and Adrian Daly, yeah,
3: and the interim head coach hall of fame.
0: So congratulations <laughs> to Lester Connor. Yeah, that's that's was, I was wondering, you know, when you're talking about interim co- coaches, was, was there was like two seasons or one season where Doug Moe was sitting on the bench with George? George was thrown out of like two games. Was it Dantley who took over his coach then? Or Neither. Was it? That was L- Scott Brooks. That was Scott Brooks. So it wasn't was Scott yeah.
3: Brooks. I just realized I forgot one. Uh, Dick Mata. Dick Mata. He was an interim oh, coach God. for like forty
0: games, but he was an interim coach. And that was the worst. That's when the players completely checked yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that.
2: After uh, Carl got fired during his second season in Cleveland, that Gene Littles took over for him there.
0: Oh, uh, so uh, yeah.
2: It's kind of crazy.
0: Really? Oh, I yeah. did not know that. I remember Gene Littles was coach
3: of Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets, That's right. right? Yeah. And hey, the Hornets are coming back. That's right. We get. We get the, they unveiled the new logo, I think, two weeks ago. That's cool. That's cool. I'm happy for them. I I remember being in Charlotte for the 1991 NBA All Star Game. Wow! And that city was just feverish over at the old at the old Hive. Right? It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. They had Rex Chapman, Kelly Tripucca, Kurt Rambis. Wow! Uh, Kenny Gaddison. Those are some fun days. Kenny Gaddison.
2: I forgot about Kenny
3: Gaddison. <laughs> so
2: you, you guys have seen these last three games that Denver has played. What are what have been some Reasons you think why we're seeing improved play right now? Jeffrey?
0: Uh, Well, I would say it's because they, I mean, this is just my observation. They've clearly chucked the uh, post game uh, attempts they were having, and a lot of post and and, uh, slow it down pace. And they have just basically gone breakneck speed the last three games. Just completely abandoned all, all of the pretense, I guess, and just gone with not necessarily like where they were playing last year because there was a little bit, believe it or not, there was some structure to what the way they played last year, but this seems to more free-form, go-at-it kind of stuff, and they've blown teams out of the arena. At least that's what I've seen.
3: I think what I've seen is they're playing loose and they're playing young. Uh, you know, you, Fournier, I say that as Jordan Hamilton seems to be uh, unceremoniously benched. But, <laughs> but Fournier's gotten a lot of minutes, which I think is a huge positive. Yeah. Uh, seems like Fareed's now getting a few more minutes than Hickson. Hickson's minutes yep. almost are going down. And uh, I think the word I would use is loose, Nate. They're just playing loose. Yeah. and, uh, Fast and that's, loose. That's that's you know that's what Brian Shaw's predecessor did, and we all know it works in the regular season, may not work in the postseason. But right now we need to get to the postseason, so hey, and they've good, restored the fun. It looks yeah, yeah, like that'll right? be a good problem to have if we get there.
2: Yeah. And you kind of hit on that Jordan Hamilton point there, and we actually got to talk to Brian Shaw the other day at practice, and I asked him specifically about Hamilton. Let's uh, take a minute and a half here and listen to some of this sound on Brian Shaw on Jordan Hamilton and cutting down that rotation. Jordan Hamilton in your rotation since you cut it down to nine. You just kind of of that
4: rotation. Why is that? Um, just you know, there's no particular reason. I think that you know we have you know in trying to play. I was playing 11 guys, and um, you know that was that was tough to do. You know after our meetings and talking with the guys. Um, you know, a lot of them didn't feel like they were getting the getting a good flow um, because there was so much in and out going on. Now uh, the guys, those nine guys that are in a rotation are getting, uh, you know, getting longer runs, longer stretches in the game, uh, resulting in better production um, really from everybody uh, within, that, within those nine guys. And um, it just changed the dynamics. You know, Jordan had an opportunity to – to be in there for a while, um, and unfortunately, while that stretch was, you know, while we went through that bad stretch, um, his production went down, um, you know, during that time, you know, as did a lot of our guys, but I think more so than anything, Randy uh, got his confidence back and picked it up. Um, Evan's been given an opportunity to play, and um, he's he's producing and playing well, and so, you know, I just decided these are the nine guys that are going to be there right now, and the guys that are outside of the rotation you know, they have to stay ready, and we've told them that, um, you know, because anything can happen. You know, it may, still may get a call. Somebody may go down, um, you know, so as long as they continue to practice hard, uh, you know, and stay ready for when that opportunity comes.
2: So Brian shot kind of hit on a few things there. Yeah. You know, he, he talks about <clears> – <throat> Not totally having a reason for taking Hamilton out, but he had to take somebody out, so he decided to go with Fournier over Hamilton. He's given Evan a chance, and Evan does seem to be producing well given that chance. Have you guys liked Fournier's play over the last few games? Well, I've or always seen like, more
0: of him. I've always liked him because he does tend to make plays. And I mean, the Nuggets lineup as it is, without Gallo, and there really lacks playmakers other than Ty. So I really think that having that addition of Fournier in there who. You know, even while he's young, can has at least the potential of, of creating something is good. That's you know, so Jeff always sneaks in a Gallo comment
3: whenever oh, possible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm wearing the shirt right now. Um,
3: <laughs> I love the way Evan Fournier is playing, especially last night. I, I'm a big Evan Fournier fan, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of come from the school of you know if you're not going to win the if you're not competing for the championship which is not the case obviously this season sorry to say nuggets fans we're not competing for a championship yeah. and let's play the youngsters and see what we've got and i just think i think he's a dynamic player to jeff's point mm-hmm. and and he's got a lot of confidence i mean look at this kid he got benched buried at the end of that bench and then you give him a little bit of daylight and he's making the most of it so yeah. he's got huge upside and I would be playing him as many minutes as they play Randy Foy, but that's up for Brian. That's up to uh, Brian Shaw to decide.
2: And I, I do really like the fact that they are giving guys certain roles with the team now. Like guys are starting to understand what they're going to do. I got a little sound here on Randy Foy on exactly that. On if they understand what their roles are now since they've cut to this nine-man uh, nine-man nine, nine rotation. Oh, tongue twister. Coach, now, you've been talking about nine-man rotation is allowing you guys to get more of a rhythm. in the field
1: that's doing that Yeah, I just uh you know, a lot of times I feel as though, you know, I, I, I kind of know when I'm coming out now. And before, I knew when I was coming out, but, you know, I would press. Oh, I got to make something happen or, you know, when i come back, you know, I probably don't know when I'm coming back in. And I think now it's, it's pretty much clear that, you know, when guys are, are coming in, or when guys are going out.
3: It makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, what a great quote, Nate. Yeah. You're, doing a, that's a, you're doing a phenomenal job, and, and I appreciate Randy Foy's uh, candidness on that. That's, you know, players are Jeff. You and I talk about this a lot. You know, NBA players are creatures of habit. Yep. And I think that if one thing you would have thought Brian Shaw would have learned from Phil Jackson, and maybe he's learning it now. If you remember all of Phil Jackson's teams, whether they were his Lakers teams or his Bulls teams, you almost knew exactly when guys are coming in and out. Yep. And that way, when they, got the, when they got to the playoffs, there was no confusion. Whereas George Carl, may his coaching career in Denver rest in peace, um, <laughs> you know, was always trying to like push those buttons at the last minute. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is something to be said for, I, I hate to use the word standardized, but you know, some sort of consistent rotation.
0: Yeah, consistency is the best. And I wrote it earlier in the season where, that Shaw was just using too many players, and the players were just not getting any rhythm. I mean, it, I mean, NBA is essentially about is a rhythm sport more than pretty much any other sport, and you have to get in there, get in there, get in there, and have your have your consistency in there. And quite frankly, the Nuggets never developed any consistency until last week when they started this. So
2: I thought it was very interesting too that he hit on he said that he was pressing when he knew he was going to be coming out of the game because he didn't know when he was going to come back in. So he was trying to make something happen to yep. maybe put an impression in his coach's head that he was having a good night and that takes away from you know trying to play within the offense trying to play team basketball if you're thinking about yourself so i don't know if that's shared by other guys but interesting that foy you know mentioned that aspect of it
0: no it's it's i mean well let me ask you nate you got you've you've been there at practice just as much as i have have you noticed uh, that kind of thing that happens when people are not sure their starting job so they, like, start panicking and they start pressing and they start doing all that stuff that they, they can do. Because I know certain, a lot of Nuggets players don't respond to benching very well. Do you think that that has been going on a lot this year with the expanded rotation?
2: I think the guys may not have known what Brian Shaw wanted from them. All they really knew was they wanted him. They wanted to. He wanted them to run plays, and he wanted them to, you know, make shots. And you know, they're they're trying to do anything they can to stay on the floor. So maybe, like Foy said, they were pressing a little bit too much, and you know, that kind of it's obviously not good for team basketball. But and you've seen it. We saw it in practice this week. Brian Shaw was talking about um, not wanting to see the ball stick. You know, remember they run those drills where they'd shorten the shot clock and they're, he's like, if the ball stops, we're going to stop the play. So he's making guys move the ball like you see with the Spurs and stuff. And we're starting to see that over the last three games, I think, translate a little bit where there isn't so much sticking of the ball. It's not just Lawson running a, a pick and roll and then having to chuck up a shot. Like they're working four open shots, which is, you know, going to lead to more success. Well, it's
0: not the sticky post move either, you know. I mean, I remember what ni- – draw an analogy of the 94 Nuggets – It was throw the ball to Matumbo or Ellis, and then everything would go out from there. But now, and they were at least doing eerily similar stuff this earlier in the year, trying to throw it into McGee, trying to throw it into Hickson or Mozgov. And it just was, as Ty said, uh, you know, to us last night, we may have some audio, I don't know. We Um, do, indeed. (laughs) That, you know, it kind of clogs things when you don't have, when you have two big guys in the lane, so...
3: Well, it's something I've said throughout. I've said it on on the radio a couple times this season, and I've written this a couple times. And look, no one feels bad for the Nuggets. They got the same amount of training camp that every other at all the other twenty (laughs) nine teams got, but. They needed an extra month. They needed an extra month. They they did. They were not ready for this. With this new mix of players, no Wilson Chandler in training camp, and this new coach and this new system, whatever that is, uh, they needed another month. So, unfortunately, they've had to learn on the fly. Yeah.
2: Let's kind of compare Denver a little bit to Phoenix. Like, you look at Phoenix, and they're playing really well. It seems like their players have bought into that system. Do you think that that's has something to do with the types of players on the teams. Like Phoenix has young guys with no contracts. Can I tell you what
3: the difference is? That's it right there. Phoenix is basically a college team. Yeah. And the problem is is I think Jeff Hornacek wields more power over his players than Brian Shaw does over his because no. try telling Nate Robinson what to do. Yeah. Try telling Randy Foy what to do. Try telling Andre Miller what to do. Obviously it didn't work the other day. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference between having, to your point, Nate, a bunch of guys that are on that first rookie contract versus guys who are, hey, Nate Robinson, his money's guaranteed. So is Wilson Chandler's. You know? So is Darrell Arthur's. These guys have guaranteed money. So I think that Hornacek just wields a lot more power. And as I wrote on Sunday, I love what they're doing in Phoenix. I just love it. Yep. I didn't love it in the off season. I thought they'd be the worst team in the West. Oh, I thought they were tanking. And uh, they're a fun team to watch. I'm a Suns fan. God, you're getting you're getting great experience from these young kids, and you're probably going to get a good draft pick.
0: And next that year. combo of Drogic and uh, Bledsoe has just been amazing this year. I saw
2: something funny. There was uh, somebody. I think it was Bill Simmons proposed a Carmelo Anthony trade to Phoenix. and oh. Phoenix fans came out and drove saying that we don't want that guy. <laughs> It's, it's kind of a funny thing to see. You know, you see Carmelo is this, you this know, franchise-type player, and the Phoenix fans are going, we like what we have right now. I think Carmelo, and I wrote this
3: five years ago, I think Carmelo Anthony, when he gets a little older and he becomes what I call the Paul Pierce part of his career, when he's a complimentary piece to two other stars, I do think I could see success in his future. Yeah. But as the man, I don't see it.
0: Well, yeah. right now, Carmelo's getting the Rudy Gay treatment, which I think is unfair. Because Carmelo was a far superior player to Rudy Gay.
3: Say, say what you want about the Knicks, but they're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to screw us out of that lottery. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> will. That's our lottery. Yes, they will. In fact, in fact, what's happening is what I call the nightmare scenario, meaning Denver wins seven or eight games more than New York wins. We miss the playoffs because the West is a, is so competitive. They make the playoffs as a 38-win f- team, and... We end up with the 14th pick in the draft, which is not where we want to
2: be. In a six-player draft, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> end up
3: end up getting a, a Ray LaFrentz at uh, 14.
0: Um, but you know, it's 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 you watch it and you see like this. They're playing a fun team. They're doing all that stuff uh, in Phoenix. But the the thing is, the Nuggets were even though they're really young, were a firmly established team prior to Brian Shaw coming in. And the difference is that Phoenix just gutted everything. I mean, they they're basically unrecognizable except for Drogic you know, it, from where they were a couple of years ago. So it really is a brand-new team in Phoenix. So no one was expecting this from them, no one.
2: Yeah. So, Jeff, you were just hitting on it there a little bit. You were talking about, you know, the Nuggets playing a more fun style of basketball, perhaps going away from some of the post-play. We have some sound on, on Lawson talking about that, and right to start this jump, too, we have Lawson talking about, you know, what Randy Foy has done since he's, you know, had that 7-12 to 12 performance from three-point land and, and what's uh, maybe caused him to get out of that shooting slump.
5: We were just telling him, I mean, I told him, I me personally, I was just told him, I like, you're getting wide open shots. Like, I'm doing all the work. All you got to do is set the feet and knock them down. So that's what he's been working on, just getting the shot right and just been showing improvements. It's making everybody better. And for us to win, like we want to win, he has to knock down shots. Defensively, you've been really digging digging
4: balls out, really picking guys up early. What are you doing differently on the defense than Just more effort.
5: You know, I mean, I'm uh, playing a lot of minutes, but just I feel like I'm the first line of defense. And if I'm playing hard, Everybody look, everybody's gonna look at me like, oh, he's playing hard. Let me get up too. Let me be more active. So that's that's the only thing I'm trying to do. Man. It's just make make defense more active, create turnover steals, and so we can get out of run. How are you just to the more minutes? Uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah I, love, I love the more minutes. You know? I'm just trying to uh, just maintain my body. Now that I'm playing like 40 something 30 something high 30s or 40 minutes a day, I gotta know I gotta take care of like, ice, you know? massages, everything. Hey, hey, hey different parts of my body starting to hurt that didn't
1: hurt before, so, <laughs> so okay, I got to
5: switch it up.
2: Ty Kenneth said that you guys have kind of gotten back to playing like yourselves, like, getting out and running and just playing your own games. Do you feel that? Do you feel more comfortable? Yeah,
1: I
5: think so, you know, because um, we started posting up more, like, even, like, say we got the a defensive rebound and kicked it to me, like, we was posting up in the lane, and it's really, like, slowing us down, because, like, say JJ be right there, there's no penetration for me. When I penetrate, I make it easy for everybody. Like, I dump it off to JJ dumps. Before it gets open so you know I, we went back to that it's been working for us they've been scoring what 100 plus points the last three years I'm
2: just going to kind of some crazy stuff there from Ty I think <laughs>
0: Yes, uh, <clears throat> set to a hip-hop beat yes
2: yeah, so that's the 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 background <laughs> rap music there is courtesy of Nate Robinson in that <laughs> locker room so, uh, but tie hit on the fact that, you know, he's playing more minutes. We're seeing him playing over 40 minutes a night the last few games, which is crazy. That's Mike D'Antoni-style minutes. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not posting up guys right now. They're trying to clear the lane a little bit for Lawson to, you know, create some drop passes. But that's not necessarily meaning that they're not playing inside. We've seen Mozgov have a couple pretty good games. You know, Darrell Arthur, even J.J. Fareed have have played well during this little win streak. Well,
0: it's... Look at it this way. They've played dramatically less than they were that the post game, So that is really, especially with the starting unit, has opened up Ty quite a bit. And he's like the Ty of last year. We know he's driving the lane. Or the Ty of the seven-game winning streak, you know, when he was just getting out, distributing, you know, getting in the lane, getting layups and stuff like that. Um, and it looks like it's more free-flowing, uh, loose, as, as Andy was saying. Uh, Is this a good time. thing, though?
2: Because, I mean, Brian Schatz told us that you have to play inside out, that you can't do this cute running stuff, and it's not going to work in yeah, the playoffs.
0: And that was because... his word, too, cute.
2: What do you think well, of that?
3: Are they, are they willing to sacrifice an 11th straight postseason appearance to drive that point home and tell that mm-hmm. to the ticket-paying fans? So they, they, they're they in a they're in a pickle, and yep. they're going to try to thread the needle right now and, and, and do both. But it, it, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't it's going to be hard. Question. It's really it,
0: hard. It, it's going to be hard because... As it's been proven in the past, you know the the public in Denver will will support one team when they're a losing team, and that's the Broncos. And if you slip with any other team, in this other than the Rockies, but the people who go to Rockies games aren't really watching a baseball game. So, like the Avalanche and the and the Nuggets are always on the on the on the precipice because they start losing, and attendance will just crater.
3: Here, here's what I don't understand. I think I think the Nuggets. And by the way, I. I understood the decision, okay, to have this complete 180-degree shift from fast to half court. Uh, I think they overreached. I think they they went a little too overboard in trying to slow the game down. I mentioned to you guys earlier before we got on the air today about how I've seen Brian Shaw on many occasions do the hand pat-down motion to Ty, like slow it down, slow it down. And here Ty's been told, speed it up, speed it up, speed it up by a coach for five straight years. Mm But I think that, you know, if you look at the Pistons teams that won in the early 90s, of course, the Lakers of the 80s, they actually played pretty fast. I mean, yep. they would win games 115 to 110, 110 to 105. You know, I don't think you have to be Michael Jordan's Bulls versus Carmelone's Jazz, which are like 90 to 85 yeah. slugfests. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to take some time, and I don't know how they're... I, I, I can't call that. When do you run? When do you slow it down? I, I don't know. I think a team that... If you look at all the teams who win championships, though, they one thing they have in common, I don't think anyone ever... Well, besides the fact they have Hall of Famers, which we don't have. They have shooters. Mm -hmm. And if you look at, you know, Shane Battier, Mike Miller, Ray Allen on the Heat, they can just stand on the corner and bomb threes so those Hall of Famers can be creative in the middle, you know? The Spurs have always had guys that could hit an outside shot. Even if it's Matt Bonner, they could hit an outside shot. Yep. And the Nuggets just don't have – can you rely on Randy Ford to nail an outside shot? That's can you be rely on Jordan Hamilton to hit an outside shot? We don't really have those guys. Nate Robinson, he works hard. He plays hard. But he's as apt to go one for eight to six for eight. Yep. Streaky. It, and, and it's, it's going to be very frustrating for a coach in that circumstance. No, and you I'm can't sure, play right? half court without shooters.
0: That's true.
2: Yeah. That is true. Well, Andy, we'll get your final thoughts here on the Nuggets before you got to go back to uh, the office, right? What what are you thinking as far as where is this team going to head? Do you see, you know, some personnel moves coming? Do you think this Andre Miller deal is going to get resolved here? It's supposed to be forty-eight hours. That's probably today is the last day. You know, it's
3: unfortunate that the Andre blow-up was so public because I would like to think that had that not happened, he had a lot of trade value. Now I question it because you've got twenty-nine other teams. A third of which would probably be very interested in Andre Miller, saying the Nuggets are desperate. And they're going to lowball the offer. So I don't even know where he's heading. I would assume it's a championship contender that would love to have a backup point guard. And I think there's probably a handful of teams where he would work. But he's probably going to have to go with somebody else. And who is he going with? You know, is it Jordan Hamilton? Uh, is it going to be, God forbid, Kenneth Fareed because he's got a juicy contract that his agent's going to want in a couple of years, and I don't know if the Nuggets want to pay that. Yeah. You know, and th- that, could a, that could be a heart-wrencher for Nuggets fans. Um, so, I, unfortunately, I do. Well, fortunately, I see Miller moving. I think it's time to go. It's bye-bye, Andre Miller. But yeah. I think, unfortunately, somebody that we all, the three of us and Nuggets fans alike, love, I'm, a, I'm afraid is probably going to go with him
0: it going to be interesting who it is. And if, it, and if it's Gallo, I'm going to probably weep on the podcast. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: That's good stuff. Well, Andy, we'll let you get out of here, man. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back. We'll talk a little bit more. But thanks for joining us here at JCPenSpirits. Thank you for joining Spirits. us, Andy. Then we're back. (laughs) Special thanks to Andy for sitting in and joining us for a little while. We're down here at Jake's Food and Spirits. I ate myself a uh, a wonderful turkey melt. Jeff, you rolled with a Cuban sandwich. And a Cuban.
0: It was very good. It didn't taste like a cigar, though, which was good.
2: Yeah, that is good. We're we're hearing that Jake's is going to be doing something a little bit different coming up. might have uh, some few changes to their dinner menu. Yeah, it
0: sounds like they're expanding their their dinner menu and going to be doing a lot of cool different things with the restaurant. So I'm looking forward to seeing it.
2: Yeah, next time you guys cruise down here, we'll have to check that out, and we'll have a stiff night out again at some point, probably here at Jake's at some point during the season, and perhaps somewhere else. We'll see. We'll see yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Well, we
0: have a surprise for you.
2: Yeah. So let's keep talking about this Nuggets team a little bit, Jeff. Um, yeah. One thing that, that I, I'd written about, I wrote the, uh, I wrote an article called All Aboard the Timothy Mosgoff Express. Yes. And part of the reason – well, something I was going to include in that article, we have a, we have a commenter named Moz Sanity on our board. Yes, we do. Is either Timothy Mozgov's mother, his <laughs> brother, or just his number one fan. Like, this guy loves Mozgov. <laughs> you know, he, he loves him. And he actually sent me a very long email about why aren't the Nuggets playing Timothy Mozgov. And, you know, you're kind of looking at it, and you're going, well, you know, he sent me that email back in November, and you're looking at Mozgov's minutes, and... He, he is still pretty inconsistent. You know, he, has, he has a game where he goes for 20-7 and seven against the Lakers, and then, you know, last night he's back down to 9-6. and 9-6, and six. but, you know, Kostakubis isn't a uh, uh, George Carl always said you want to have a guy where you know what you can have out of him as far as a big guy. And if you're going to get a double-double every night or near close to a double-double, that's good. And then if you can expand that out to 20-10 and 10 or whatever it's going to be on, you know, one or two nights a week – That's awesome.
0: Well, the problem I had with Kufas, and and, and I'm going to draw a contrast with uh, Mozgov here, is that Kufas would do all the things you're seeing that Mozgov is doing, and he would collect a lot of garbage hoops, you know, offensive rebounds and stuff, which analytics people loved because it, you know, it inflated his hustle stats. And but the problem is that he, when he came up against bigger players like Andrew Bogut or Andrew Bynum, or, or those players like that. You just get completely dominated. He just bully him. Yeah, And he was completely worthless on both ends of the floor after that. And and George Carl would end up taking him out of the playoff. In both series, both um, against the Lakers and against the uh, Golden State Warriors, George Carl ended up benching him in favor of JaVale McGee and Timofey Mozgov. So what it, what, it, what it tells me is that Mozzie, even though he... Has issues with catching balls and has his still things that we all remember he had trouble with. Foul here and there a little too much. Yeah, (laughs) he is a presence, and his presence and his physicality is so good that it kind of cancels out his inconsistency. So the Nuggets are actually a better defensive team with him out there than they would be otherwise
2: yeah and to me just his his overall strength you know it seemed to me that Kupas could get bodied out of the way and you know Timo seems to have I don't know if it's superior leg strength or if it's just weight in his lower body that's just he's almost unmovable I was watching him against Pau Gasol and you know Pau did this post move where he came across the lane and you know he does that jump stop where he tries to get some body in you and he was doing that to Hickson and Freed all night, and he tried to do it against Mozgov, and Mozgov knocked him backwards. Yep. And, and, you know, he hit the front of the rim on the shot, and it was just like, that's the difference. I mean, this guy is just, he's, like you said, physically imposing player.
0: Well, I mean, it's, remember earlier this year when he was playing um, Andrew Bynum, when they were playing the Cavs, and that Bynum was actually getting upset because he couldn't move him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we saw in the playoffs with the Lakers, you know, I mean, Mozgov came in and, mm-hmm. you know, Bynum still played well, but Mozgov seemed to give him just some physical fits that, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't used to. But I got a ton of sound here on uh, on some nuggets talking about Timothy Mozgov. Uh, let's listen a little bit. I, I, I found it interesting, or I've, I've found it interesting that – Darrell Arthur and Mozgoff, to me, are Denver's best pairing for the big yeah. guys. I mean, you can put Mozgoff with Farid, and they're pretty good. You throw Moz with JJ, and they look all right. But Mozgoff and, and Darrell, to me, have just are starting to come into their own as a, as a unit. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you look back at the old hockey teams, you'd see you know the defensive pairings. You'd always want to play guys together just because they brought out the best in one another. Oh, Absolutely. To me, that that's kind of been the question. So I pose that question to Brian Shaw, uh, as you'll hear here coming up. You know, who is your best big men pairings Is it fair to say that it's Moz and, and Darrell, and, and we kind of just lead in some other directions here? So let's hear from the coach. Coach, is it fair to say that Timothy Mozgov
1: and Joe Arthur
4: are your best big man pairing? Well, I, I think it changes. You know, from time to time, and it depends on the personnel that we're playing against. You know. Uh, Timo, I mean, they both have a great chemistry together uh, amongst one one another, Uh, you know, and and Timo's been coming on, coming on strong. And I think the, the dynamic of Darrell stretches the floor. Um, they have to honor his shooting ability. That creates more space inside for Timo. Timo takes up so much space inside. When we do get the ball inside to him and they come help off the rail, he's open for shots. And so that dynamic between the two of them makes them a, a pretty impressive duo. Um, but I think it would work. You know, Timo, when he's in there with Kenneth, um, he's or whoever he's in there with, he's a good matchup for us. When we have big, bigger centers that we have to play against. Um, he, you know, J.J. is a power forward. And he gives up a lot of size uh, night in and night out. So Timo's taking advantage of, uh, of his situation. And when JJ and those other guys play against more quicker, athletic guys, um, you know, they're in there more um, when, when it's to, to our advantage to, to have them in. So uh, I'm, I'm pleased with the. Uh, the combination of our bigs and how they've been able to to work together. Yeah,
2: Free just with our region, you got to see Mozgov in the starting lineup. You
1: thought about putting him back <laughs> in the starting lineup? Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, you know, because as he continues to pro- improve, you know, I, I hate the, the tough part is breaking up the second unit because the second unit, for the most part, has been really effective for us all season long. I mean, we had, you know, a stretch where they didn't play so well, but overall, You know, our second unit has been strong all season, and so I like the chemistry of that group, and it's hard to, you know, to break that up, Um, you know, but it's something that I have to continue to look at, um, you know, as Timo continues to impress and put up the numbers that he's impressing, uh, that he's putting up. Um, yeah obviously you you think about you know getting them out there earlier and or you know possibly with the starting group but right now i don't want to i just don't want to break up the rhythm that that second unit has and you know jJ we're getting a you know he's averaging close to a double double uh, starting in that position even though he's out of position and kenneth uh, i look at the 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 position as a whole and at the end of the game i look at how many points and rebounds i get out of Timo and JJ together at the five spot and Darrell and uh and Kenneth together at the at the power forward spot so you know if if we can get 20 and 20 out of the four of them I you know I think that's a good situation for us to be in you know with each if, if all four of those guys can average you know close to a double double within the you know they're all playing kind of half a game Um, you know, so that goes to our whole mentality of we want to wear them down with the first unit and wear them out with the second unit, you know, so it's just relentless pressure, big bodies coming at you um, all game long.
2: Some interesting stuff there from from coach Shaw. Yeah. I I found it interesting. He kind of ended there where he's talking about, you know, he wants kind of 20 and 20 out of the power forward spot and out of the center spot. And, you know, to me that, that doesn 't necessarily indicate you know he did say he would maybe think about getting Moz back in that starting lineup if he continues to you know, kind of show that he 's improving and being a more consistent player and but it, it seems like if you get twenty and twenty out of your two spots there, so forty and forty that 's not bad, but what if you can get sixty and fifty you know like, yeah. what if what if Moz is going to be you know jj 's a double double guy what if Moz is going to do more than that
0: well I, the, the one uh, aspect that Mozgov struggles with still is quicker uh, athletic centers, the smaller ones. Um, And I can see how they would want to use him against second unit uh, centers, where it's easier for him to... uh, Likely the second unit centers are bigger and he can, you know, use them to body and all that stuff, but at the same time, if your best defensive unit is basically all the Nuggets best defensive units have included Mozgov. Um, on a you know on and that especially basis, Maz and Arthur yeah. and Arthur then then it, you're not losing much much offensively to have them in there. I would say why not at this point. You know and at least that would be my my the conclusion I would draw, and I think you're at the same point too.
2: Yeah, I, I think so, and you know I, I I do like the fact though. I mean, so he he's saying that you know Maz matches up really well against some of the bigger guys too. So you don't want to start jerking around your starting lineup, right? Like you don't wanna you don't you wouldn't start Maas against Golden State because they have Bogut, you know, and then not start him against I don't know, a team that has a smaller center. Say the New York Knicks that have Bargnani. You know, you you wouldn't wanna put him in and out of the lineup like that and then you're screwing up guys's, you know, rotations like we just talked about, creatures a habit. So you know, I, I kinda get where he's coming from of you know, you got a good thing going right now. Why mess with it with your second unit? You know, maybe that's the more important part. But I still wouldn't mind seeing Ma's average more minutes. You know, he's at 19 now. If he can get him between 25 and 30, and you bring Hickson's numbers down a little bit, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, and neither would I. And any excuse
0: to bring out the... Uh Mozgov Militia t-shirt. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely fine to <with> me. So. <laughs>
2: or that for sure. <laughs> that for sure. But.
0: Hanging in the palatial studios as we speak.
2: Yeah. And uh, we are talking about, you know, the chemistry of guys playing together. Uh, let's hear a little bit here from Jarrell Arthur on his chemistry playing alongside Timothy Mozgov. So, I'm just to talk to you about your teammate, Timothy Mozgov. Yeah. How do you feel your chemistry with him is developing?
1: It's pretty good. You know, we work on uh, a lot of stuff together uh, in practice. I kind of got an idea where he's going to be at on the court. So uh, if I'm making jump shots, they have to uh, come up and help. and He's just sealing deep in the post, you know, on a horn's action, and he's uh, pretty good at finishing the ball. I play against him one-on-one. He's a great, he's a great player, a nice dude, man. He's uh, developing very well defensively as well, talking on defense, coming over, blocking shots, rebounding the basketball, running the floor hard. Uh, finishing place.
2: Just looking at your guys' defensive pairing, your you know points allowed per possession is really good on this team. You guys are the top two big men. How do you guys play defensively? How is that communication happening?
1: You know, uh, it, it starts out just by talking. You know, uh, he gives a lot of effort. You know, if, if we ask him to blitz out and show on, on pick and rolls, he does his job. Uh, he talks to me and says if he wants to switch or not. And uh, it's, it's just it's just it's just been good these last two games, especially against the Lakers, you know. Uh, He's, uh, he's, he's, he played very, very well, you know, and uh, we just got to keep that effort up. And uh, I'm always looking for him. I know he's going to finish when I give him the ball. If not, he's going to get fouled, you know. And uh, he's a good free throw shooter as well. Did you
2: think he was going to turn you into a point guard? You had four assists last night, four assists, two Mozgov out of your six?
1: You know, it, that, that just came with playing the game. You know, um, I had a couple of possessions where um, I tried to make a play. You know, a shot wasn't falling, so uh, I was just focused defensively. And uh found him a couple of times, you know, he's, he's, he's a great sealer, so he, uh, he did his job. How would you rate yourself as a lob passer? I used to be good in high school. Uh, I played with uh, a guy, Kevin Rogers, who went to Baylor, and uh, we played in high school together. I, I was pretty good at uh, throwing a lob to him. Uh, not so much in the league. Uh, I had Zach Randolph last year, so, you know, he's not jumping for it. <laughs> him, or, uh, him or Big Mark. But uh, you know, I can, uh, I can definitely uh, develop that in my game. Does
2: <laughs> so he ever talk to you out there in Russian? Do you ever misunderstand something he's trying to
1: say? When we're playing one on one, and I get a couple of stops on him, he he's starts saying stuff, but I don't know what he's saying. You know, super play, whatever that means. I don't know what that is.
2: <laughs> Terrell Arthur, there, giving us a little sound on on mm. Timothy, and you know, when the guys are starting to kind of pick on you and joke around, that they're, they're accepting you, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, that, that's. <clears throat> and and you could tell that that at least what we've seen at practice that you know the team responds well to Mazgov and and they all seem to I mean there's there's certain players that just you know they they reflect well because they give a lot of effort and that's what I've always liked about Mazzy is at least he's trying at all at all times and uh, I think that kind of um, reflects well to other teammates and I think uh, that positivity is positivity is something that uh, that the nuggets need more of quite frankly and if he can help impart that to them i think that's that's they're ahead of the
2: game you no know, we heard a lot too from the kenny martin days of how he was kind of the quarterback on defense yeah. he's you know the big talker out there and just hearing drell talking about you know him and mozgov communicating on the court while they're playing defense is just it's good to hear you know and it's 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 nice to hear that You know, that defensive chemistry, even him saying he's developing as a defensive player instead of, you know, he can score a lot of points. You know, from what Brian Shaw wants to do, playing defense and hearing guys stressing defense is music to the ear, so to speak. Oh, really? It is. I I I think we all... It it reflects
0: well on uh, and It also reflects well on Darrell Darrell Arthur. Yeah. You know, and... uh, I've liked what I've seen with both of them in in the same lineup, and I think that that is something to look forward to going on because it's it's something that uh, the Nuggets can use as a springboard for better defensive things.
2: And it's, it's, it is still strange to me, though, that you know that you're playing Kenneth Faried and J.J. Hickson as your starters, but you're you're pairing off the bench is is the better unit. You know, I mean, you, you look around the NBA, and one of the only places I can really kind of see that there's the starter is not as good as the bench guy would be. Maybe Chicago, where you have you know Carlos Boozer and Taj Gibson, or something like that. You know, or yeah, obviously, yeah. Manu Ginobili's you know a better player than you know Danny Green, yeah. and more important to the team. But you know, you had James Harden in Oklahoma City coming off the bench, where you know he could have easily started for Thabo Sefalosha, So it's just interesting to see how they kind of balance that stuff out.
0: Well, yeah, and it's it's uh, coaches really value their bench units, and it's important to them to keep consistency and exp- and the excellence in the bench unit. You know, George Carl said that all the time, you know. It was one of the reasons, among many, that he didn't start J.R. Smith. You know, it's because <laughs> he had. Many. <laughs> cause, among many. Because, you know, he wanted to keep that, keep the J.R. on the bench in, in that unit. Didn't want to break it up. And all, like, coaches are really, really like that.
2: Yeah. I got I get a little more sound here just from Ty Lawson. I asked Ty just kind of what he thought about the development of Timothy Mozgov. And you know, he hits on some interesting points, too, about you know being able to trust him in the post. So let's we'll do a quick listen on this quick one. Ty, what have you been your thoughts this season on Timothy Mozgov's game? Do you think he's coming
5: off? He's playing well. You know, he's getting paint, jump hook on left or right shoulder. And uh, he's being a bruiser down low, getting rebounds, blocking shots. And that's what we need from him. Is there a trust factor at all when you guys throwing the ball into him him? oh yeah, I thought I think from if if the beginning of the season, i just, I trusted him in the paint, going over the left shoulder right shoulder, just getting a bucket down there and, uh, or making the right play
2: because we talked about that right we've talked about you know, do these guys trust Timothy if they throw him the ball, you know is he a going to catch it b is he going to do something smart with it yeah. you know and it, it it does appear to me that he's becoming. You know, easily the Nuggets' best post player. I mean, especially oh, yeah. now that Andre Miller's not on the team yeah. anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, look at it this way. Um, Timofey Mozgov has probably, he's right-handed, but he probably has the, the, the a better left-handed hook than he does a right-handed yeah. hook. The other guy
2: we had in town that was that way was Nene. Nene yeah, was yeah. great with both hands, right? And,
0: and that is just rare for big men. And I think that's one of the things that when I've seen Mozzie, out on the floor, it's been like, he gets it in that uh, low post, he could turn to his right or his left to finish the ball. And I don't even think Roy Hibbert has a left-handed hook at this point. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's that says something. And, you know, hopefully he can continue to develop. That's all we're asking. Continuing to develop and get better. And you know what? If he gets better, it's going to be damn hard for them to keep him out of the starting lineup.
2: You know it's kind of funny, too, is... Uh we look at the age thing now, right? Like they're saying that big men don't develop until 27, 28. Mazikov's 27, and he That's looks right. leaps and bounds better than he did last year 26. So That's maybe right. there's a little bit of something to that. I don't know.
0: I think there is. How is JaVale? 26?
2: JaVale, I believe, is
0: 25. 25? Yeah. I think. I think, you know, you're waiting on JaVale to develop and find that thing. The, the difference between JaVale and, and Mazzi is that Mazzi, I think, was always big. He always had that big guy th- thing. I think Javale was late to being big. He developed late into he got his growth spurt late, and he became. We started at one thing and he became another, and that curve is completely different for Javale as far as that goes. So we going from a guard essentially to a center. It's a just a different mentality. Timo has always been a big guy in
2: mentally. So, And a lot of people, too, have been asking us, you know, when's JaVale coming back, when's he getting back? And, frankly, nobody really knows. And, and from what we've heard from the Nuggets side, there's just no timetable for a return. Um, I don't know if the stress fracture is going to require surgery, but at some point it might because if it doesn't get better after 12 weeks, it's like, what are you going to do? Like you might need to do something for that to heal it. But We're at nine weeks now, aren't we? Nine weeks, yeah.
0: Nine weeks since they discovered the the fracture, and they initially said six weeks, which was optimistic. Um, so we're coming up on 12, which would be, you know, three months.
2: I haven't heard anything. so And, I mean, and, and, and people have asked. Well, yep. You know, there's questions that have been asked, and it's just, there's just no timetable. So we're not sure when he's going to get back, yeah. but, you know, every game he does miss and – You know, it's just minutes that aren't going towards that development that, you know, the team needs to see. And, you know, if they were looking to trade him, other teams would need to see as well. You know, I mean, (laughs) it's just a difficult spot with him. And we'll figure out what happens, uh, I guess, whenever he returns to the game. But kind of crazy. Whenever that is. So we got a a good test coming up, man. Thursday night, we got the Oklahoma City Thunder coming to town. That's going to be Denver's kind of... uh, I don't know. People say they haven't played anybody good, but Memphis hasn't – they're not terrible. You know? Memphis isn't
0: terrible. They, they beat the Mavs twice. Beat the Mavs twice. They've had some decent wins. They win. beat the Timberwolves twice, twice. Both. I think that both the Timberwolves and the Mavs are ahead of the Nuggets yeah. right now. Um, but we need to see this – But this is the best of the teams. Yeah. 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 So
2: this will be kind of that true, you know – because we've, we've seen Denver – even in Oklahoma City, get down to a game that came down to you know possession by possession basis, and that's what Denver hasn't done yet. Is they haven't won a close game against a good team where they've yeah. been able to out execute somebody late in the game, and until they're able to do that, I don't really think that we're going to see the kind of development or the kind of promise that we think we might be seeing on this little win mini win streak right now. Uh, you need to see,
0: as Andy would say, you need a signature win. Yeah, and the Nuggets don't just don't have one at this point, and it's. They're seventeen and seventeen as as of this podcast, and that's that's the definition of mediocre, you know. Well,
2: even even after Thursday, say they win Thursday, I mean, you're going to have people saying, "Well, Russell Westbrook wasn't there, yeah. you know," or we don't know if Serge Bach is going to play or not. I don't know what's going on. With and, him. The,
0: and the and the the Thunder just got beat by the by, by the, the <laughs> Jazz,
2: beat up by the Jazz. <laughs> and that was Durant takes thirty four shots, forty eight points, and they lose. So. <laughs> <True>. <laughs>
0: I'm sure they'll be quite angry about that too. So
2: yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Nuggets there. But that's a that's a lot of Nuggets talk. Let's take a short little break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about this uh, upcoming Broncos Chargers matchup, which frankly might have some people terrified. I I think so. Folks, if you find yourself doing a little online shopping, we'd appreciate it if you'd go to ColoradoSportsGuys.com, click the Amazon banner on the top of our page, and then do your normal shopping. Heck, even bookmark us at ColoradoSportsGuys.com, and click that banner every time you need to buy something online. Razors, ankle socks, hipsters' glasses, Danilo Gallinari t-shirts, yes, whatever you need to get, go through ColoradoSportsGuys.com, click that Amazon banner, do your normal shopping. Thank you. We love you. Broncos football on three. One, two, three. Broncos football. <laughs> Broncos. <laughs> Go quit. You know, this game coming up against the Chargers, did you watch all the playoff games last weekend? Uh, I did. I did. Which team would you say you wanted to play out of the four AFC teams that played last weekend?
0: Well, based on the results, uh, Cincinnati. <laughs> 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 the
2: old redheaded yogurt stinger.
0: <laughs> because they look looks terrible. <laughs> I was, I was talking to our... The team looked
2: okay. It was Dalton that just looked... I Andy was, Dalton looked god-awful.
0: I was talking to our, our podcast partner there, Ross, Ross Hipster's Glasses Martin, and uh, I was saying, like, he looks, like, awful. Every play... I mean, he's been in two playoff games, and he's looked dreadful. He looks, like
2: looks like a quarterback that I played with in my younger days that you, know, you could count on him for interceptions or incomplete passes, and that was about it. Was he a ginger, too? <laughs> that was kind of what he may have been. <laughs> but that's kind of what, uh, what you got with Andy Dalton there. So, you know, watching that Chiefs-Colts game, obviously Kansas City didn't scare me. Watching that Colts offense, I got a little worried because they threw that deep ball really well. I, I, it was worries was kind of because of bugaboo last year. Or
0: well, it was because of Andrew Luck. I mean, uh, he's he's just kind of got it, and I think you can just tell sometimes and with he the quarterback. Can, yeah.
2: And he scrambles too. At least, at least with Rivers, you know, you got a statue back there. Same thing with them with Peyton. You know, they know they have a statue, but you know, at least Lux, he's going to make some plays on his feet. I don't think Rivers is going to be able to do that.
0: Rivers is. I, don't, I listen. As uh, what was it, Malik Jackson said, um, the. Rivers is very good at handing off the ball. And that's, that's that's what he has done primarily this year, is that what people don't understand is that Mike McCoy came in there, the new head coach of the uh, San Diego Chargers, and he just completely changed the offense to just basically running the ball all the time. And Rivers is not asked to do much anymore, so it's made his stats look extremely exceptional this year. But it's kind of a Jake Plummer-esque Thing, you know, where, where uh, with apologies to Ross, uh, where Jake was just handing off the ball and playing a very conservative offense. And when he was asked to kind of step outside himself and make plays, he couldn't do it. And I'm anticipating that this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, and you have the three running backs there, too. You know, you got Ronnie Brown, who's, you know, Champ Bailey esque old. You got Danny Woodhead, who's, you know, uh, Dennis Rodman esque annoying. And then you have. Ryan Matthews, who's pretty darn good running back when he's healthy. so It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a, a fairly balanced attack from San Diego. Uh, Denver's pass rush, obviously, is going to have to do something special in this game. The defense is going to have to rise to the occasion. I think having Welker back, I mean, everybody wants to say, they lost to these Chargers just a couple weeks ago. They got Welker back. The offense is going to be a little more dynamic. As long as Peyton doesn't lock on to anybody. Have you noticed that this year? Like He gets in it like... Bubba Caldwell's first game, all he did was throw to Caldwell. And he was like, stop throwing to Andre. Like, throw to somebody else. We he have Julius th- Thomas. We have Decker. We have freaking Demarius. Well, Come I on. think
0: he does that because <laughs> I think he does that. He goes to the open receiver more than anything else. And it, nine times out of ten, you're going to leave Bubba Caldwell open. <laughs> yeah,
2: probably. It's so, not bad, you know, he's but not, it's, you know, he's, you not, know. he's not a dynamic threat like the Broncos have virtually everywhere else on the field.
0: Having Welker back, I think helps out tremendously. Yeah, big time. Big time. People don't understand what a huge impact he, he has a slot, as a slot receiver has on this offense because it's, it is, it's enormous. It's absolutely enormous. And it opens up the offense in, in a, a ton of ways. Yeah. So there's no real... Um, the last game the Broncos played against the Chargers it was a short week. It looked like the Broncos didn't care. Uh, it was one of those games where, you know, you're watching the game and thinking, it's just like they're not into the game. And they the result was predictable. You know, they, would, they, they just didn't play. I, I don't think you can read anything into that game, the last game they played.
2: Yeah, very true. So do you think that they advance? It's kind of in there. Let's oh, yeah. some predictions, yeah?
0: Oh, yeah. I think they win, and I think they win handily.
2: Nice. I like it. I kind of think so, too. Give me, give me a score. What do you think uh, score-wise? I think they will score... Uh, It'll be 38-14. Ooh, I'm going to go 34-17. Oh. How about that? A couple field goals from old Prater, I think.
0: The, uh, the loser has to uh, wash the other person's car. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I could use a car wash, too. <laughs> I should've, we should have texted Ross here to see his prediction. Uh, I'm guessing if we had to predict for Ross, he's predicting a Broncos Super Bowl. I would,
0: I would assume so. I think I he would. thinks
2: they're going all the way.
0: I would, I would <laughs> knowing, knowing, Mister Hipster Glasses. That's exactly what he would say. Yeah. So, uh, uh, good. Well, yeah. Everyone's looking forward to this game. I mean, the city's on pins and needles.
2: Who do you got in the other games? Let's go. Uh, let's go. Colts. Patriots.
0: Uh, I'm going Colts.
2: I'm going to go Colts too. Yeah. I think they're going to pull that one off. Just, I don't know uh, just
0: the way they won that Kansas City game. I th- I think I just I saw it.
2: Inspired did, performance. I, yeah,
0: I just saw it and like. You know, I mean, it could be me thinking, hopefully, hoping that Brady's not going to be playing again the, against the Broncos in the championship game. But Maybe that's so. what I'm doing.
2: I wouldn't mind seeing a nice. I mean, I guess any of the teams, they all beat the Broncos this year, so we can get revenge on yeah, any of them. That is true. Uh, let's flip it over to the other side. You got 49ers and Panthers. I like the wow. Panthers, but I'm scared for them.
0: Wow, that's that's going to be a tough one because 49ers came on at the end of the year, and they look pretty good against the, uh, albeit a weak. Packers team, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the Panthers, but that's not a confident pick.
2: I'm taking the 49ers, I think. You know, oh, you are. I like Carolina yeah. and I love Cam Newton. I want to see Carolina win, but I just think I think the playoff experience is going to bite them. I think the 49ers are going to win that game.
0: I th- you know you could be right. You could be right, but I, I'm going to stick with the, the Panthers.
2: And who else we got? We got Seattle, Seattle,
0: and Saints,
2: and the Saints in, in Seattle. Seattle. Got to go Seattle. You have to
0: go to Seattle because it's in Seattle. I mean it's. Yeah.
2: Bad road team versus good home team, right?
0: Yeah, it's just because the, the, the Seahawks are a different team at home. you yeah. know. If, that,
2: if weather it, plays a factor, too, it's like the Saints seem to fold in bad weather. If this was in the <laughs> Dome, I would pick the Saints. I, yeah, you know? I think I would, too. If it was in New Orleans, I'd take them. Or right. if Seattle put a Dome up, maybe they can play in uh, Key Arena. Yeah, to play in Key Arena.
0: <laughs> Go back to Key Arena at dump. <laughs> And, uh, oh, yeah, no. Uh, if you could resurrect the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: throw the kingdom back up for one game. would Be wonderful. All right, man. All I right. think that's it. If you honestly, if you want Broncos talk, I'm sure it's been filled on the airways. They're all talking Broncos. I, it's, it's seriously,
0: crazy. folks, you do not need a podcast crammed full of Broncos talk. <laughs> we are we are providing valuable nuggets talk in this podcast. If you want Avalanche talk, I'm sure there's an Avalanche podcast out
2: there. And by the way, Avs doing pretty good. I actually got to catch up uh, for a couple minutes with Josh Oh Yeah, talked a little bit about the Avalanche at Nuggets practice the other day, and he sounds pretty excited for the Avs. Does he? He even mentioned to me a a little tidbit about how um, they took Patrick Wan, Brian Shaw, out to dinner. And so they've gotten a little bit of a relationship going as well. Just a couple rookie head coaches, you know. Oh,
0: well, that uh, famous French-Canadian-Oakland partnership. Yes. Uh...
2: <laughs> the sister cities, as yes. they call them, I believe. <laughs> Montreal, and
0: Montreal and Oakland. And Oakland. A, yeah,
2: sister cities, definitely. Well, well known. So, <clears throat> All right, man. Well, good show, Jeff.
0: Yeah. Nate uh, persevered through his... Um...
2: Yeah, my, I can actually feel my lip now. It's still not moving 100%, but... I don't feel like... Uh, it is
0: weird when you get your your lip deadened. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a, such a strange sensation. I remember that.
2: But now my bionic teeth should be taking over, so I'm going to chew through a wall on my way out of here. <laughs>
0: they are glowing.
2: They yeah. yeah, are, indeed. <laughs> All right, man, we'll, we'll get out of here. CSG, I don't know what this is, 152, 153? No,
0: 155, 156, five, five or 6. 156? 156, yeah. Yeah,
2: we'll figure that out post-pro, but <laughs> you guys have a good day out there. Go Broncos, go Nuggets. We'll see what happens this week.